listening to the podcast of Northside Assembly of God in Crowley, Louisiana. We are in Colossians chapter 3. If you have a Bible, if you have a Bible app, go ahead and turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. This is, uh, I got five sermons left for you guys. This is number five, counting down. We got five sermons left. If you weren't here last week, uh, I mentioned to you that uh, the Post family, our last Sunday will be Sunday, June 13th. Our last Sunday here, we want all of you, if you can, to be here for that Sunday. Uh, it'll be our last chance to hug your necks and, and say goodbye, at least hopefully goodbye for now. Hopefully we'll see you again at some point, but you can stay connected with us online. Uh, but uh, we'll be moving hopefully right after that. We'll see. We've got some details that need to be worked out, but we'll be moving to Los Angeles. And by the way, we want you to come visit us. You know, at some point, please, you know, Los Angeles is a great place to go visit. Lots of stuff to do. We'll show you around. You can even stay in our house. I'm not even going to look at Carrie right now. You can stay at our house. <laughs> but I'm serious, man. Y'all come plan a, plan a little trip. Come see us. Spend a few days. We'll have a good time. But uh, anyway, we're really, man, I can't tell you how excited we are about our future. And I'm also extremely excited about the future of Northside. I guarantee you the best days at this church are right in front of us. And uh, I really, truly believe that. Next week, uh, Craig Thompson, our lead board member, will be giving you an update uh, about uh, what's going on with the interim and the search process. And also, we'll have a big announcement next week in regards to the school that you won't want to miss. we got some really cool things happening, exciting things happening uh, underneath the surface that you guys are going to find out about. So, all right. We're in Colossians 3 and 5 sermons. We're going to finish the book of Colossians, which means I've got to... I've got to mash the accelerator now. We've, I, I really, man, I'm telling you, Colossians is so rich. You could spend three years, and I really wish I could, but we're going to have to kind of put the pedal to the metal here if we're going to finish this book together. So we're in Colossians 3. We're going to look at uh, verse 13. The title of my sermon is Seeing with a New Lens. And we're going to look at verse 13, and then we'll skip over verse 14. We did that one last week. And then we're going to include verses 15 through 17. Next Sunday, if everything goes as planned, we're going to finish chapter 3 into chapter 4. But we'll look at these four verses. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's, it quadruples the number of verses we did last Sunday. We only did one verse last Sunday. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Let's read this together. And what I want you to pay attention to is the repetition. There's going to be two or three concepts here. In this passage that you're going to see Paul repeats himself and he kind of like says the same thing in a different way. And anytime you see in the Bible repetition, it's, it's just an emphatic point that the author wants to drive home. So let's look at verse 13. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then look at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So notice here, in these verses we read, first of all, Paul twice repeats the command to forgive. 
Forgive if you have a grievance against anyone. Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. And then in the next few verses, three times, he repeats the instruction to be thankful. Be thankful, he says. Sing with gratitude in your hearts. In everything you do, whether in word or deed, giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus. So we, we see these two concepts, forgive, forgiveness and gratitude, repeated and also connected. They're extremely important on their own, but there's also a connection between forgiveness and gratitude. They are, in fact, two sides of the same coin. I believe one of the major barriers to be a person who is growing in joy and growing in gratitude and thankfulness is the barrier of unforgiveness. I want to talk about that connection this morning. By the way, we're going to be taking communion at the end of our service. If you don't have communion, would you just lift up your hand right now, and we'll have some people that will come. Just hold your hand up. Some people are going to come right now and make sure you're served. If you're on the live stream, go ahead and take a moment and uh, grab some juice, grab some bread, and our live stream is going to keep going, and we're going to make sure that you're included in communion as well. Just keep your hands raised. They will come to you in just a moment, and as we're as we're preparing now to hear the word, let's, let's pause and pray as these things are happening. Heavenly Father, you're good, you're wonderful, you're glorious, you're beautiful in all that you do. I'm so grateful, God, that you've revealed yourself in the person of Jesus Christ and that you've demonstrated your character on the cross of Calvary. You're wonderful, you're glorious, you're awesome in every way. Lord, today we humble ourselves as best we know how. We're gathered here because we're needing an encounter with you, even if we don't realize that's why we're here. That is the purpose of our presence right now and our participation in the hearing of your word by your spirit is we need an encounter with you. And so I pray, God, that this would be a message, a sermon that would not just be uh, of the wisdom of man and from the tongue of a man, but it would be anointed by the Holy Spirit, empowered by your Spirit. And may we, your listeners, be empowered to hear deeply, listen deeply, and receive your word deep into the soil of our hearts. Clear out everything, God, that might block its path. And may the fruits of your kingdom be produced in our lives as a result. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to get started with this verse in Ephesians 4, verse 26. Ephesians 4, verse 26. In your anger, Paul says, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And you see, as you look at this verse on the screen, I've highlighted the two Greek words that Paul used that are translated as anger. We see anger twice in this verse, anger and angry. In the first occurrence of the word anger, it's translated from the Greek word orgizo. And then in the second occurrence, it's the Greek word perorgizmos. Now, you don't have to be a Greek student to see that these two words share a common root. You can see the letters O-R-G there. So they're, they come from a common root word, but in the second occurrence... The, the prefix para is added at the beginning. And in this context, para means submerge. And so what Paul's saying is, hey, when you experience anger in your life, deal with it, work it out, 
process it, learn how to release it quickly, because if you allow it to sink down into your heart and you don't work through it, it becomes submerged anger, and now you're giving the devil a foothold in your life. Now, anger, let's talk about anger for just a moment, because a lot of times we just have a negative, automatic negative association with anger. To be angry is part of what it means to be a human being. In fact, if you're a healthy human being, there are going to be times where you get angry. And there's nothing inherently wrong with anger. Anger is a form of emotional pain. Like, let's say just on a physical level, you're in your kitchen and you have your hand on a hot stove and you don't know it. You've got your hand sitting there. The nerve endings in your fingers and in your hands are going to scream at you in pain. And even though it's not pleasant, it's actually good. Because that pain is telling you something's wrong. Something's not right. Something needs to be addressed. If you did not experience that pain, you may not even realize that your hand is on that stove and you could do a whole lot of damage to your hand. So the pain is a natural alert to let you know something's wrong, something needs to be addressed. In the same way, anger is a form of emotional pain And it is your natural response to something being devalued in your life. Let's say that there's someone or something in your life that is extremely valuable to you. They're extremely important to you. And they get treated in a way that doesn't reflect their value. Well, the natural response of a healthy person is you're going to get angry. And actually, you should be angry. If my wife, who has immeasurable value to me, gets treated like garbage... A good husband's going to have some anger. Now, what you do with that anger is another thing. But you're going to have some anger. You ought to have some anger. Now, it can be the case that maybe you're putting too much value into something that doesn't deserve that value. Like, I've seen these YouTube videos of these grown men who are in their living room watching a sports game, a playoff game, and their favorite team misses the field goal at the end, and they just lose it and take a baseball bat. Have you seen these? They'll take something like a baseball bat and just shatter their television and throw it out the window. That's a case that you've put way too much value into something that really doesn't matter at all, right? So we can have some misplaced anger, but to have anger in and of itself is not sin. Does everybody understand that? All right? Now, when when it does become sinful is when we don't acknowledge our anger, we don't process it, we don't work through it, we don't learn how to let go of it quickly, and then it begins to sink deep into our hearts, and it just begins to settle there in our soul. And you see, now what happens when it becomes submerged and we don't deal with it is now two things. It begins to get internalized. It turns inward, and now it's generalized where it's no longer about a particular person or a particular thing or a particular event. It just becomes part of who you are. It becomes to define you. That, that anger, that bitterness, that resentment festers, and it just permeates your, your, your being. It's, it pollutes your soul. And increasingly, you just become a negative person. Have you met these people? I can give you a list of folks that I know who just, they have a talent for seeing the negative in everything. They're always negative. They're always miserable. They're always seeing the dark side of life because there's deep issues, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness that they have not released to the Lord. They've allowed it to fester, and it's become just part of who they are. And see, now you've given the devil a foothold in your life, and it can manifest itself in all kinds of ways. You know, oftentimes it's like like a kettle that's just boiling, 
And pressure just builds and builds and builds. And at some point, that kettle's got to release some steam. And so this is a person who, man, they've got deep, unresolved anger in their life. And they just don't deal with it. They just festers. It boils. That pressure just builds. And they just don't even acknowledge that it's there. They just paint over it with a smile. But all the while, that pressure's building and building. And it gets to the point where, where something really small happens and they explode. They pop. And everybody else around them is like, man, how did that person get so upset over such a small thing? Because it's not about the small thing. It's about years ago, something happened in this person's life. And they got deep bitterness and resentment that they have not dealt with. They have not processed through. And, and it's been simmering for years. In fact, there's increasing scientific evidence that shows that when a person nurtures a grudge and they don't release it to the Lord, they just sit there in unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. Did you know that it can actually have a physical impact on your body? Science shows it can actually compromise your immune system, where your body's no longer even able to fight off sickness and disease and cancer the way that it otherwise would. Now, that doesn't mean if a person gets cancer, it's because they have unresolved anger in their life. There's a billion different variables that can affect things like that. But science is showing that this can be one of the variables. When you don't let go of anger, it affects you not just deep in your soul, even your body, it, it struggles. It's compromised. And for everybody who has internalized anger and unforgiveness, it just creates this growing negativity in their life. And it just begins to jaundice the way that they look at everything. And the world for them just becomes an increasingly darker place. And every person they meet, every situation they're in, they just, they just see the, only the negative. They feel and experience only the negative, And they lose their capacity to see and to feel and experience the positive. It's so important, so important that when we're angry, that we deal with it. And maybe the place to start is to have a conversation with God in prayer. Or maybe you find somebody close to you, your spouse or a close friend, somebody who can be real with you. And you approach them and you say, listen, I'm going to ask you a tough question. I want you to be authentic with me. You've known me for years. Do you find that I'm becoming more or less joyful? Am I more or less thankful than I was five years ago? Or do you find that I'm becoming increasingly negative? Am I more or less cynical than I was a year ago or five years ago. And if you find that you're becoming a more negative, more cynical, more critical person, I'm willing to bet it's because you've allowed something on the inside of your soul that you have not properly dealt with. And it's time to get free. I know folks in this room that need to get free because it's destroying you. You got to make a decision because nobody else can do it for you. I got to get free. God created you to be saved and redeemed and healed and liberated and growing in joy, growing in gratitude, growing in thankfulness, not to be enslaved to anger and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness and negativity and despair and depression. So it's time to get free. It's time to get free. It begins by just asking the Lord, Lord, show me the source of whatever I've internalized in my life. Where's that pollution of negativity coming from? God, where did I first come in contact with this cancer of negativity? Because sometimes we can have this in our beings for so long, it, it just becomes diffused throughout our entire being. We don't even know the source anymore. We don't even remember how it got there. So you got to ask God for wisdom. 
Ask God for wisdom and envision it. See what it's all about. Lord, where, where did I inherit this? Where did I absorb this, this cancer of negativity? Secondly, confess your sin. It's a sin to internalize stuff. It's a sin to be duplicitous where there's this incongruence between what's going on in here and what's going on in the surface when everybody thinks everything's going great and I've buried this cancer in, inside of me. That's why, that's why Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. We sin when we go to bed with our anger and we don't deal with it. So just be, bring it out in the open. God knows who you are anyway. Nothing hidden from God. There's nothing you can tell God about yourself that's going to take God by surprise. So just be real with him. That's where it starts. Confess your sin and receive his forgiveness. And then the third thing is, then you let it go. Listen, folks, this is what forgiveness is. And this is so liberating to me. All forgiveness is, is taking the debt that people have incurred against you and giving the debt to God and letting God handle it. Okay, forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. To be reconciled to someone involves all parties involved. It means confronting the person who is offended, acknowledging the offense, and making things right. You can't do that by yourself. That demands both parties. But forgiveness is unilateral. That other person doesn't even have to be alive for you to forgive them because it's about you saying, all of these debts that people have incurred against me I'm going to let God collect those debts and trust God to make it right. I'm going to tell you the truth. Forgiveness for some of you is going to be the greatest act of faith in your life. It demands real faith. Because what you're saying is, I can trust God to handle this. God is just. And God's going to make things right. And I don't even have to see it being made right. In fact, it may not even be made right until after I'm gone. But I believe the word of God. I believe the justice of God. So I'm going to not take vengeance on my own hands because vengeance belongs to the Lord. So I'm going to release this debt to God, trust God to handle it. In the meantime, any bitter thought that comes into my mind, I'm going to say no. I'm going to turn it away and I'm going to move forward with my life. That's forgiveness. And you can do that. And the Holy Spirit can help you do that. It may not happen in a moment. Sometimes forgiveness is not like turning on a light switch. It's a journey you, you walk, and sometimes you walk it every day. got to choose to forgive every day. But, but forgiveness doesn't mean you have to trust the person again because some people are untrustworthy. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to hang out with the person again because some people maybe you don't want to hang out with them. It just means releasing the debt to God, and that person doesn't even have to want your forgiveness. They don't even have to feel like they need your forgiveness. They don't even have to be alive. Maybe they've been dead for three decades. It doesn't matter because it's not about them. It's about you getting free and you getting healthy. And the devil is so good at this stuff. I, I see this in people's lives. I was reading just, to, just this week in 2 Corinthians. Paul's talking about unforgiveness to the church in Corinth. And he says, some of you, you're walking in unforgiveness. He says, the devil's outsmarted you. That's what's happened. You've been outwitted by the devil and there may be people watching this listening to people in this room you are being outsmarted right now by the devil because the devil's convinced you that by nursing this grudge nursing this offense that you're actually being empowered and you're making that person pay folks the only person who's paying for it is you the only person who's suffering is you the person who's being polluted by negativity is you 
That other person may not even give a rip. But we think we're being empowered. You're actually empowering that person to continue to define you by keeping you in negativity. You're empowering that person to steal your birthright to joy. No, be free. Choose forgiveness. Choose the way of freedom. And if you have a hard time doing that, what you do is you sit down, you just sit with Jesus in prayer. I know, I know of no better way to do this. Sit with Jesus in prayer. Take a good 20, 30 minutes. Just get quiet. Be with the Lord. And then remind yourself that you've been forgiven for a debt that is infinitely greater than any debt anybody can ever incur against you. And had God not forgiven your debt, you would be destroyed and you would be hopeless. And yet God forgave us. And as Christ forgave us, we're taught to forgive one another. And this applies not just to forgiving someone else. It also applies to forgiving yourself. There's some of you in this room right now, some of you watching this, listening to this. And you cannot forgive yourself for something you did in your past. There's some horrific thing in your past that you refuse to forgive yourself for. You feel like you got to make yourself pay. And so you've been wallowing around in condemnation and shame and, and unforgiveness toward yourself. God's forgiven you, but you refuse to forgive you. And when you refuse to forgive yourself and move on, what you're really saying is that my sin is greater than God's love. That God's love is not great enough to forgive me and cover me and, and, and release me from this. So you got to recognize that for the demonic lie that it is. Folks, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm going to tell you on the authority of Jesus Christ, I don't care what you've done in this room. I don't care if you're a murderer. I don't care if you're an abortionist. I don't care if you ruined and tore apart your family with alcoholism. I don't care if you sold off a child to support your crack cocaine habit. Folks, listen to me. Your sin is no comparison to the love of God. Your sin is like a gnat trying to hold back Niagara Falls. Your sin doesn't compare. It's no match for the love of God. Just let yourself be overwhelmed by his love. Trust his forgiveness and be released. Be free. Amen. Sometimes it helps to envision this. You know, one of the greatest gifts that God's given us is an imagination. And God wants us to use a sanctified imagination. And it's one of the greatest tools to our spiritual transformation if we'll use it. So there's a young lady I know of who, who years before had an abortion. And by the way, I just want you to know, if you've had an abortion in this room, you're not alone in this room. If you've had an abortion watching on the live stream, there are folks right here that have had that in their past and have gotten free from it. I want you to know that. But this young woman had, a, had an abortion that just haunted her for years. She couldn't move past it. She was so racked with regrets and shame and condemnation. And it was keeping her from being free. She was bound up. But she had this spiritual advisor that, that was helping her, and, and she was sitting with Jesus in prayer. And here's what happened. As she was sitting with Jesus in prayer, just quietly, silently, she's just enjoying the Lord's presence. And then in her imagination, she sees herself holding this baby that was aborted years before. She can imagine herself holding this child. It was very difficult, very painful, but it was actually very healthy for her. And in her imagination, she's holding this baby, cradling this baby, and she just begins to confess her sins. 
And she apologizes to the baby, apologizes to Jesus. And then in her mind's eye, she takes this baby and places the baby in the arms of Jesus. And now she sees Jesus holding her baby in perfect protection and tender love and care. And as she sees Jesus holding her baby that was aborted, in her mind's eye, now she sees Jesus turn and look at her. And she hears Jesus say, my love redeems all things, including this. My love covers all sins, including this one. And he says, my daughter, now it's time to be free from this. Learn from it. Don't make the same mistakes over and over again. But be free. You're my radiant bride. You're my precious child. You're altogether lovely, altogether beautiful. You ravish my heart. And it's like in that moment, God showed up and that burden of condemnation began to lift off of her. Folks, there's nothing uglier in the universe than unforgiveness. Whether it's towards someone else or towards ourselves, there's nothing uglier than unforgiveness. And there's nothing more beautiful than forgiveness. And that's why the cross is infinitely beautiful. Because the cross is where we go to find forgiveness, and the cross is where we go to be empowered to forgive. So the main obstacle to being joyful and grateful is unforgiveness. So choose to let that go. Deal with that stuff quickly. If you need somebody else, find somebody else to help you to unwind from this. But when you find you've internalized something, confess it, turn it over to God, and be free. Amen? All right, I got one more thing I want to teach on, and then we're going to close. But now that I've dealt with unforgiveness, let's talk a little bit about gratitude and thankfulness. What can we do to cultivate an attitude of gratitude and to cultivate joy? What positive steps can we take to, becoming in, to become a person who's increasingly grateful about things and for things? I think, first of all, it starts with an awareness that everything good in your life ultimately comes from God. Everything. James, in a verse that I quote often, James says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Everything good in your life right now, God is the source of it. Now, yes, it's the case that sometimes other people become carriers of those good gifts. Other people cooperate with God's goodness and, and deposit good things into our lives. And when that's the case, yes, it's appropriate to thank them, to thank people. But if it weren't for the goodness of God, if it weren't for God who's constantly infusing the world with his goodness, there wouldn't be any good gifts to receive from anybody. We long ago as the human race would have turned this world into a total negative hell. It's only the goodness of God that preserves any sense of goodness in the world right now. So it's like this. Earlier this week on Monday, I got to my office and I found this little note from my daughter. Actually, it's not this one. It's another one, but I found this one in my desk. She's, she's done hundreds of these little notes for me over the years. And this week, I'll probably get a hundred of them now that I said this. But she just 
she'll, she'll, from time to time, she'll write me these little notes, you know, little messages, draw me a little picture or something, just from the goodness of her heart. This one here, I don't know how long ago she did this. One, it just says, to daddy, from Reagan. She drew a little heart, XOXO, love you. And I'll find these periodically in my office. I, whenever I take trips overseas, oftentimes after those long flights, I'll get to the place I'm staying, I'm exhausted, open up my suitcase, and in between my outfits, I'll see a little note that she stuck in there. The cutest thing in the world. And it's so precious. And I never want to take that for granted. And it's done out of the goodness of her heart. And so it's appropriate for me to thank Reagan for that note. Thank you, Reagan. That blessed me. Thank you, sweetie. But you know what? Reagan would never even be around to give me this note if I hadn't met my wife. So it's appropriate for me to thank my wife, Carrie, as well. But my wife would never have been around for me to fall in love with if God had never created her. So you see, the thanks goes all the way around. But ultimately, God's the source of all goodness, folks. Sometimes we think we're entitled to the things that we own, the car that we drive, because after all, I have a job, and I worked hard, and I earned this money, and I paid for this car with my money that I earned when I worked at my job. How, who, who gave you the, the ability to work in the first place? You have a working brain, don't you? You didn't give yourself a functioning brain. You have limbs that operate the way they should. You wouldn't even have the capacity to work if it weren't for the goodness of God. It's all a gift. And so behind every good thing in our life, we need to see the good God operating. Some people wonder, well, if we were to thank God for every good thing, does that mean that we need to blame God for every bad thing? That's only true if God is the, a, a cosmic control freak, manipulating, controlling everything. But that's not what God's like. That's what God's like. God is infinitely good, altogether good. God is altogether light. John says, in him there is no darkness. James says, there's nothing shadowy about God. He's not like shifting shadows. He's constantly shining. There's nothing malicious to God. There's nothing evil about God. So if and when evil happens in the world, it always originates in some will other than God's. God created us as free agents, human beings, angels. He gave us free will. And we can choose to use our freedom to either cooperate with God's goodness or suppress God's goodness. So when evil happens in the world, it always originates with a will outside of God who's trying to suppress the goodness of God. But that doesn't change the fact that when goodness does show up in our lives, God's the author of it. God's the source of it. So we first need to understand that. And then, and this is my last thing, then we've got to learn to do is we've got to train ourselves to notice it and acknowledge it and thank God for it. This is one of the things I try to teach you over and over again. I hope you do this. I try to do this on a daily basis where every day I just pause. I take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I look over my day and I ask, what am I grateful for? Where, where did I see the goodness of God? And I acknowledge it, and I thank God for it. Like just yesterday, I look into the backyard, and I see my two-year-old black Labrador retriever wrestling around with our cat. 
They're best friends. And it's so cute. That cat hates me. We, we got her from the shelter a few years ago, so I don't know if she had a bad experience with her previous owner or what, but when she sees me, she takes off running. She, hate, she hates me. She does not like me, and I don't like her. But there's something about that lab, man. They just love each other, and they wrestle around. And it's so beautiful. It's the glory of God. It's new creation breaking into this dark world. And it's appropriate, as flaky as it sounds, it's appropriate for me to be thankful because it brings a smile to my face. Let's pause for just a moment. Michelle, why don't you come to I'm not quite done. I'm almost done. But I want to I practice this with you. Would, would you just sit up straight for just a moment? Close your eyes. Don't fall asleep. I want to take 60 seconds. And I want you to right now look over the last day or the last week. And I want you to take inventory of God's goodness over the last day or the last week. Just think about what God has done through others or through creation that you're thankful for. Notice it. And right now, just under your breath, say thank you. Tell them what you're thankful for. Thank you for this. Just take 60 seconds, and then I'm going to move on. Lord, thank you for a roof over my head. Thank you for godly men and women that you put around me that encourage me. Support me. Thank you, Lord, for the laughter of my children. Thank you for the health that I have. Thank you, Lord, for a working vehicle. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Let it just swell up in your heart. Thank you, Lord, for the kindness of others that I saw in the last week. Thank you for the hugs that, that people have been inspired to give me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. See, when you do this and you make a habit of it every day, the more you take time to notice the goodness of God and thank him for it, the more you see it, the more you notice it. And the more you see it and notice it, the more you stop and give thanks. And then you see more of it. And it just, the whole world begins to explode with goodness. Because the truth is, every single moment of your life, you are enveloped by the goodness of God. And in every situation, God's working to bring goodness through it and to it. And yes, there are a lot of agents that want to try to suppress the goodness of God, but God's always working on the side of good. And so the more I can take time to stop and notice it and acknowledge it, the more I see God's beauty. I begin to see the beauty and glory of God in the loving eyes of my spouse. I see the loving majesty and beauty of God in the laughter of my children. I see the glory of God in my dog wrestling with my cat. I see the glory and the beauty of God in a squirrel eating an acorn in my front yard. I see the beauty of God in this little note that I received from my daughter. You see the glory of God in your health, and it just, it changes your life. Don't ever take it for granted. Give thanks. 
It's all just God's goodness breaking through all around us. And when you notice it, you see that the whole world is just exploding with beauty and, and wonder. And yeah, we notice the negative stuff too. There's evil stuff as well. We don't ignore that. We, we're aware of it. But the more we begin to see and notice and acknowledge the goodness and the beauty and the wonder of God all around us, now the darkness and the evil loses its capacity to steal my joy, to steal my gratitude. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Northside Assembly of God, check out our website at www.northsidecrowley.com.